to episode 18 of the IntelliCast podcast. Joining me as always is my co-host, Brian Lamar. I mean, good opening, Adam. Thank you. Finally, <laughs> snapping back into it. As always, EMI is brought to you by, or eh, IntelliCast is brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. You know what? With a little bit of hope and effort, one day EMI will be brought to you by IntelliCast. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. You can find us um on the internet, uh, you can email us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com if you'd like to be a guest, if you have a rant, if you have a Mount Rushmore, if you have just something you want to talk about in the industry, that'd be great. Uh, on Twitter, it's EMI underscore research, IntelliCast1. My own personal Twitter is Adam Jolly. Brian, what is your Twitter? Anything? No, no Twitter. Still no Twitter. I did tweet once yesterday. No, I saw that. It reminded me. <laughs> That's great. And then uh, we are joined by special guests in studio today, maybe your fifth time on the podcast. Fourth time? Well, at least. Five-timers club? Five-timers club. <laughs> that is the voice of Adam Dietrich. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, AC Dietrich. That is AC Diet Rich on Twitter. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, how's it going, man? Not too bad. Not too bad. Thanks for uh, for having me. I can't wait to uh, to get to six. <laughs> Two hands, a ring for each uh, each appearance. That's almost as many as Brian Peterson. <laughs> I think he's spoken on six podcasts. As he sits silently. Yeah, we brought you on this week. Uh, last week was the APOR conference in Toronto, Canada, um, and you attended. Uh, so we're going to talk a lot today about political polling, some of the trends, some of the things, the hot buttons that you heard at the conference. Um, and I really wanted to touch on last week's podcast. We talked about Canada a lot. Most of that was because APOR, but a lot of it was because producer Brian, we should have said this last week. I think people just thought we were taking pop shots at Canada. But uh, producer Brian is Canadian, and so half of it is just like trying to get him riled up in the room. Uh, but I realized, like listening back to it, I was like, man, if you didn't know that, <laughs> it sounded weird. They're like, who are these hillbillies? What are they doing? There's nothing wrong with maple syrup. Hmm. Uh, so <laughs> let's get started first. Uh, Adam, what's been going on personally, man? Personally, uh, not too much. Like you said, at Toronto. Can't say the second T. I learned. I learned Toronto. Toronto, oh. Toronto last week. Uh, also had a birthday. Took a. You went to the the second best big city, third best big city in North America after Toronto, New York. Uh, oh. Saw a little golf tournament this weekend, celebrating. Oh so, wow! Yeah, PGA Championship. Oh. Me and Brooks Kepka and a couple hundred thousand, hundred thousand other people. It's great. Man, had a great weekend. Brian, what's going on with you, man? Uh, nothing. My dog was in a fight, so it ruined my weekend. Did it win? No, my dog did not win. I have a little bulldog, and apparently I learned this. They can't fight because they have a huge underbite, Mm. which is ineffective when you're fighting a pit bull, which are machines designed to fight. (laughs) And my dog lost. Um, It's okay. It's all right? It's okay, but it ruined all my plans. Jeez, I'd say so. That's going to ruin everything. Bonnie the bulldog. Come back stronger? You know, no, weaker. Like, she has nightmares. Yeah, it's <laughs> not how you fall. It's how you get back up. Right. I hear you. Maybe, maybe drop down a weight class. Oh boy. Well, the neck fat is what saved her. Ah. Uh, okay. <laughs> the girth. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Finally, this gluttony's paying off. Uh, let's get into some market research news. So last week, Cantar, the end, the never-ending story. <laughs> Uh, bidders have been shortlisted, so now they're down to four bidders at private equity firms, including Bain, Apollo, Platinum, and a mystery buyer. That's what I'm rooting for. Oh, the yeah. mystery buyer? Yeah. Just to know. The mystery yeah. buyer is Martin Sorrell. Let's be honest. <laughs> like, everybody Absolutely. knows that he's just standing behind a door, and like he's got, like, they yeah. disguise his voice, and like this like black gloved hand comes out with like a stack full of money. <laughs> yes, it's absolutely him. For sure. Yeah. The night. Uh, the Dark Knight. Uh, what are your thoughts on Cantar? Like, is this ever going to happen, Brent? 
I guess it has to happen soon. I just hope there's no disruption. I'm kind of tired of hearing about it. I hope they hope everything works out for them because the industry kind of needs them. They're such a you know a, a giant in the industry. So get this over with. Move on. Let's move forward. That's that's all I have to say about it. I'm with you. Um, other news: uh, Dynata launched a new data solutions unit. Um, this is the thing with uh, Hugh Davis and um, yeah, the old critical mix guys are in charge. Oh, right? Yeah. 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 It's just gonna, what's this mean? What does the data solutions unit mean? Is this like their 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 pitch at like full service firms? Um, I guess so. They've been trying to do that for a while. Yeah. The the pro, critical mixes programming helps with that. Um, yeah. Obviously, with the name change, they're trying to reposition themselves a little bit as into the full service. I think they could probably do a decent job at it. Um, I, yeah. Sure. Uh, <laughs> let's go into more news. Um, I did see yesterday the, I guess the official launch of Veraglyph was last week, and already I, I think in the in like the first forty eight hours they've raised fifty thousand dollars in funds. Uh, I've seen the video with James Wilson going out there, Lenny talking about it a little bit. Um, this is kind of a launch, and now they've really minimized how they talk about blockchain. They say blockchain is only ten percent of their solution. Yeah, right. Interesting. Uh, why is that interesting to you? I'm interested to see why that's interesting to you. Um, I don't know. I felt like a year ago, we've talked about this before, when it was blockchain. It was like, blockchain is going to solve all our problems. And I think once we started trying to build it and solve all our problems, we realized pretty quickly that blockchain wasn't quite what it was going to... There's a scary buzzword too, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I think blockchain has some um, elements that can help us. Um, but I didn't think... Once... It became Veriglyph, and you had all these entities involved. I, didn't, I thought they would probably water it down a little bit. They, they, they had to. So, you know, we've talked to some other companies that um, I think are going to be really strong companies, and they're not really blockchain-focused e- either. I mean, I think – so this doesn't surprise me. There's still a couple of blockchain solutions out there. Um, Veriglyph, obviously, is going to be huge. I mean, they, they, get their, they can get the news out everybody in the industry really quickly. Mm-hmm. They'll probably wait, raise some money. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that they have to be honest about the blockchain solutions. Think about, have you heard anything lately? This is off topic. So if you're, if you don't want to talk about what I've had to, um, have you heard anything lately about like the green book involvement with Glare, Veriglyph anymore? Or you feel like that has kind of died down too? Well, I mean, Lenny's been pushing this right. pretty hard the last couple of days. Um, I, I haven't heard much as much news overall from Veriglyph. Yeah. Um, although I mean, James has obviously been doing the little circuits and speaking sure. a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure how Lenny's involvement of he. I, I still think they're a pretty big player in it. Right. And Lenny, um, obviously is a big name, and Green Book is a huge name. Um, so I, I haven't seen noticed anything that would suspect that maybe he's getting out of it or anything. What does that do to Green Book? Yeah, that's what, like, you knew where I was going. Yeah, that's the team, question. Right? Is this Green Book, which has been always been seen as an unbiased news provider, right? And um, now a um, conference unbiased, and right. now it has kind of a um, you know some buy-in with Veriglyph. I haven't seen anything that affects the the um, content. Sure. Um, other than Lenny sending a couple emails trying to raise some money, which you know that's fine. Right. Um, I think long term it'll be interesting to see how this goes. But right now I haven't seen anything. Yeah, I'm interested too. I don't know what that would do. Like if you had, like if, yeah, I don't know. like Green Book and Quirks, 
you know, they're all, they're kind of the similar in that they're unbiased, right? Right. They publish content. They don't have really a lot of opinion pieces. They let people like me and you sure. write opinion pieces. Um, and they just provide the, the vehicle for that. And now that they have some equity into Veriglyph, I don't know if that's a good or necessarily a good or bad thing. Um, they probably have separate divisions. I don't know, but um, I, don't, I don't foresee anything happening. I think Green Book has kind of a stranglehold in that little market. Right. Um, well, maybe this. They've done a great job. Hurts. I don't know. Like yeah. to me, I just feel like if you are a news source or some kind of curator of news, yeah, and then you have you you form some kind of allegiance or where like if say like hypothetically speaking, there was like a news source that for some reason only took like a particular party or only gave a platform for a particular party or like yes. no president would ever go exactly. on this news source, and now they're giving out <laughs> shout outs to you yes. Know, Green Book and Friends that's on every morning. Make sure you watch <laughs> right. and things like that. I don't know. Does this happen in the real? I don't know. But like, you know, <laughs> you, start, well. you could start to lose some credibility yes. among the, if you're not in that crowd. Right? Yeah. So we didn't see, I mean, Veracliff spoke at IAX recently, um, but they didn't have like a main stage. There was right. no big push of blockchain or their solution. Sure. It's, it felt like just as if they had no involvement. And that's what I would want, like to see. Oh, for sure. I think that's great. I think, yeah. you know what? And I do think that's something the Green Book could do. Maybe it, it's just like it is, they're doing this what's best for the industry. This yeah. isn't, it's not going to give any type of bias. I do, I trust the integrity there for sure. sure. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe that's just how it dies out. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. More to come. Yeah. Um, and then here's another news story that we're not going to talk about, it, but it, it gets us into more Aport talk. And that's the Association of Market Social Research Organizations, AMSRO has announced is conducting a review of political polling methods to determine why all the polls incorrectly forecast the election results in Australia. Oh. And to me, this isn't as much as a news story, as much as a general topic, an overlying part of probably what you heard a lot uh, Abor last week. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely interesting. So those that aren't familiar with it, um, basically the Labour Party who'd been in, in power uh, in Australia for a number of years, they kind of had a built-in... They're saying now two to three points, uh, but more so like five point built in advantage uh, for years in all of their polling uh, that turned out not to be correct. It even showed an, an exit polling and all that kind of stuff. And then Election Day two weeks ago, cat caught a, caught a major loss. Uh, so they're, they're getting a new prime minister. Um, there's a basically a coalition uh, forming of, of parties that did a lot better than expected. Um but they're kind of going through their Brexit moment, through their 2016 moment, um, and doing quite a bit of naval gazing right now. Uh, but it's, it's interesting. I think they're handling it really well. Like a lot of pollsters have come out from Australia and the UK have come out and, and kind of had their come to Jesus moment, uh, talking about how they, how they got it so wrong and kind of did a lot of talk about uh, the, um, the current landscape, right? Where they're mixing landline and mobile as well as some social. They're, they're a little bit more open to kind of unique, uh, to newer methodologies down there. Um, so they've got some social media stuff. They have some traditional online panel used as well. And uh, so, yeah, but anyway, long story short, they got it wrong. And it's, you know, the third time we're hearing this in the last 24 months or so. Yep. But talk to me, like, APOR has always been really phone-based, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. like phone, phone, phone. That's the only way to think. Uh, did you notice any changes this year? Definitely, definitely. It was, um, you know, I've, I think I've, I've talked about this on the podcast in the past, uh, that coming 
coming back from APOR, that conference, I've always felt a little bit like a, like a social pariah, um, just because, you know, the, the online sample space is not uh, typically well represented, right? There are yeah. obviously, like any research conference, you know, there are always a mix of methodologies and, and people that, um, you know, that use, that leverage online or CLT or, uh, or phone. But uh, online has always kind of been in the minority at APOR. And um, it was really, really great because this year there were tons of presentations, but more so a lot more, I think, receptive conversations about about online as a methodology. Um, Stephen Shepard, who is kind of like the, the polling guru for Politico, uh, he wrote a really, really spectacular summary of, of that shift this year, that kind of cultural shift. Uh, he talked to folks from... Uh, he spoke to Patrick Murray, Patrick Ruffini, Pat Ruffini from, from Echelon Insights, uh, as well as a handful of other quotes from, from different presenters at the conference talking about how they're all kind of independently trying to figure out ways to, uh, to incorporate online. So some of that's mixed mode. Mm-hmm. Some of that is, um, you know, poll came out during a poor that was using Amazon MTurk, uh, for, for a section, right. um, that was not well received generally. Um, but they're, the, the important thing is that there has been a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and it's a change in one year, it's a change, uh, which is great for, I think for, for the polling industry as a whole, um, the APOR president, uh, David Dutwin from SSRS and his keynote kind of state of the industry uh, presentation, he talked about, you know, there are tons of people in the room that aren't pollsters that aren't doing, you know, any kind of public, data or election related data. Um, but it's always going to be our, the face of our industry and we need to collectively kind of high tide rises, pushes up all boats kind of a thing. Um, and make sure that we get better and defend it and all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was really cool. It was, like I said, I, I think in the past it's kind of been, um, it's definitely the, for me, the smartest conference that I've ever been to, you know, there's so much in depth talk about, you know, methodology and, and, and everything, um, the presentations are, are very, very data focused, um, but it was very cool to kind of see this team atmosphere kind of presentation from them and kind of like this, like I said, this more collective conversation. Wow, that's really cool. What was, um, what other like online sample suppliers did you see there? Was it, what, I mean, in the past, sometimes you're the only person there. Yeah, right? last How year I was very, very lonely in Denver. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> this year was great. There were... Um, from from the U.S. side, uh, both uh, Dynata, Dynata, and uh, and Toluna presented, um, which was a huge shift. Uh, and then there were also some international panels there, like Iran Poll. Um, they had a booth. Oh wow! Uh, they were good. Yeah, yeah they it, it was awesome. That's awesome. Um, there was yeah. It, so it's not just like a polling kind of specific thing anymore. There are people. T- there were. There were panels from from Africa um, talking about you know the way to to get things done and at a yeah. much you know more efficient and uh, cost effective way and I think it's good because we're starting to like I said that group is starting to have that conversation a little bit more um, but there were multiple presentations even from traditional pollsters uh, and research firms on online specifically and kind of talking starting that methodology debate global strategy group deserves a shout out they probably yeah they started on on Thursday. Um, that, that morning 
or sorry, maybe Friday morning, um, with a really well attended presentation that I think like kind of pushed everybody into the, all right, let's talk about online kind of conversation. Civis Analytics did a <clears throat> spectacular, um, conversation about it as well, presentation and, and uh, panel group. So it was uh, it was a big change. Um, and like I said, I would, I would definitely suggest that article from Stephen Shepard um, mm -hmm. as as a kind of good inflection point as to where we are now. And who knows where we'll be where a year going, from right? now. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I hear you. Uh, well, that's great. Thanks for that recap. I think it was awesome. Brian, anything you thinking about APOR? Um, I think it's interesting that the, they're just now kind of opening up the doors to online and considering I was just didn't wrote it down. We've just got through our fifth election where we've done online polling for a presidential election. Mm -hmm. We started in 2000 and then we're getting, we're starting now our sixth election. So online political polling is kind of in a mature phase, right? It's right. not like this brand new thing. Right. It's taken to the sixth presidential election for them to really get on board. I um, mean, online obviously has its own challenges. We could talk about that too, but um, I think it's just interesting that it takes this long for them to start opening up the door to people like Adam and Dineta. Mm -hmm. That's right. Uh, you guys want to do a Mount Rushmore? Sure. Best online pollsters? <laughs> hey, I think that's something, right? Uh, there are four of us. <laughs> best online panels. Best online suppliers. Go. Um, no. Um, this week of Mount Rushmore, keeping with the political theme, is what is your Mount Rushmore of political commentators? Oh, I really like this. Not bad, right? You want to get started? I would love to. Sure. Um I did not see this coming. Actually, I, I'm I'm having a little bit of internal debate. I will start, however. I'll I'll, I'll start with a controversial one. Yeah. I will put Chuck Todd on one of my four Mount Rushmore spots. Yeah. He is data focused. Yeah. He's a grinder. You know, he was the guy that was running around. You know, Capitol Hill as just a you know congressional yeah uh, reporter yeah. for a long time. Is he the most suave or put together, no. made the press host of all time? No. No, he's not. But I I will give him a spot specifically because of the podcast. Uh, not his goatee, but his appreciation for data. Uh, I kind of agree. And I'm somebody who hated Chuck Todd six yeah. years ago. I'm the same way. I couldn't stand it. But now, like, he's, he's good. He's how I would imagine, like, my conversations would be with people. Yeah. On there, you know, just like, what are you talking about? You know, a lot of yeah. data-driven and not like smooth, choreographed, um, manipulative even. I'd even go that way, yeah. you know? Yeah. Calculated? Yeah, probably. Uh, Brian, who do you have? I can't now run down a four, but mine will be more controversial than Adam Dietrich's. I'm okay, assuming. sure. <laughs> I'm just going to start off with Ben Shapiro. <laughs> oh, God. All right. I'm a huge Ben Shapiro fan. He's kind of a robot his delivery is not super <laughs> strong, but um, his fact-based, he doesn't get emotional when he's arguing with people. Um, I think he's awesome. Yeah. Agree to disagree. Moving on. Yeah. Tim oh, Russert. That's, that's just my first one. Okay. <laughs> I'm, putting, I'm going Tim Russert. I'm going to steal that one because I know it, it, it should be on every, every yep. list. Yep. Uh, the most tough but lovable um you know, Sunday morning kind of institution for a long time. Yep. Um, I met him once oh. in New Hampshire working on a campaign. I was getting ready to go to a Bills party. Uh, yes, <laughs> he was a huge Buffalo Bills yeah. fan. Um, but uh, certainly, I don't know. He's got to. He's like got to be the Mount Rushmore of, of any kind of. I agree. Of any newsman, modern modern newsman. I put Frank Luntz. 
Oh yeah, Frank my, Luntz is awesome. I think he's all right. Um, he kind of he swerves sometimes. Like yeah. sometimes it'll be like, all right, here's ten straight tweets that are obviously <laughs> driven towards the Republican Party, and then like you'll yeah. be like, no, right? Like it, so, I like that. Um, yeah. It gives you it kind of uh, humbles you a little bit yeah. in, in where your allegiances lie. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Donna Brazil. I'm a huge. I've become such a huge fan of Donna Brazil over the past few years, despite her rigging election for Hillary Clinton. Yeah, sure. But her political commentary, she's very fair. She's super eloquent when she's making her points. And, I mean, she just joined Fox News, so that is Mm -hmm. not an easy place to be when, you know, she's one of the few kind of liberals on there. And she she can stand her own with anybody. So she's on my list. I think it's really interesting that that Clinton team from from the 90s. So you've got her, the Raging Cajun. And um, as yeah. well as the ABC host, little guy, uh, Stephen Austin. Stephen Austin. Okay. yeah, um, all were just kind of you know high level campaign staffers in 1992, yeah. Yeah. and now they're all making yeah. huge yeah. money in your you know in your, coming across yeah. every living room yeah. in America. Yeah, that's wild, right? Yeah, uh, I'll put the uh, Pod Save America guys. Oh, all of them, sure. Collective, yeah, a collective group. They get they share a spot online. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think it's super entertaining. Uh, I know a lot of real world applications besides just thinking about the political parts. Yeah, that's mine. They've they've done a great job with the format. Obviously, like you said, do, making it entertaining. You know, they they're the number one podcast for the under thirty four crowd. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Again, another one where what, yep. five six years ago they were working in the oh speech writers right. as like you know speech writers. John Lovett, uh, yeah. was, he, he left the white house to, uh, to go run a show that lasted, I think 10 episodes about a, uh, a president's son. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he was in a great spot and then they've, they've kind of really turned it around. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'm right there with you. I'll, um, who else do you have, Brian? You've got a full list. You said, well, we go through a few here. That's right. Yeah, my last yeah. Sure. Um, Tucker Carl, I like Tucker Carlson, even though he's a crazy person. I like him. <laughs> Um, Matt Drudge, I think, is a secretly great political commentator because he's so secretive. How has he been like the number one website in the world and no one knows who he is? I'm just giving yeah, him like a special well. honorable yeah. mention because of that. I get that. Van Jones, I'm a, I yeah. love him. I think he's fantastic on TV and I didn't expect it a couple years ago. Sure. He's awesome. I love Van Jones. And then my last one is because I've had a secret crush on her for a very long time since she was part of the Bush administration. That's Dana Perino. Oh. Okay. Love Dana Perino. Yeah, come at me. She's a psycho person. <laughs> <laughs> She's amazing. Um, I, you know, to each their own. Um, I will say, I'll finish my list. I've got uh, a different Dana. Dana. She goes by Dana. Dana Bash oh, yeah. um, at CNN Forever. Again, another grinder who's been in the campaign in bed. Uh, she was supposed to get the... Face the nation job when uh, hmm. John Dickerson went to the uh, CBS this morning. Yeah, uh, but CNN wouldn't let Dana Bash out of her contract. Really? Yeah, but uh, it's now filled by Margaret Brennan, who I think is really good. Um, but my my last spot on the Mount Rushmore is Bob Schieffer, who oh, hosted yeah. Face the Nation for twenty plus years. Uh, he used to do these like one minute long, kind of like uh, you know like mini commercials uh, that would just. We're always like data driven. Uh, even back when I was a kid, and you know, it was more. It was it was uh, not just like horse race polling kind of stuff. He was sure. Really kind of really cool, quick uh, insights using using data and polling. So 
he'll he'll always have a spot in my heart. That's great. You guys want to do some Everglades? We can just throw out some names of people you think are horrible at their jobs. I, I'm prepared. Go ahead. Um, Ann Coulter. Ooh, yeah. And similar to her, uh, Tommy Lauren. Oh, is man. Just the worst. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I could keep going. Britt McHenry. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know how she got that job. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to put this in the same category. Bill O'Reilly, Sean Hannity. I kind of think they're the same person these days. Basically, I think once yeah. you get old and you just become... You've been, we've been doing this for 40 years. You throw in Rush, too, right? R- Rush is on the verge of... I mean, he's always been a little yeah. bit crazy out there, but he's on the verge of becoming just a complete psychopath. So, yeah. <laughs> anybody, I, you got, anybody you really don't like? I mean, I think that that whole crowd, uh, you know, where the job is to get viewers, right, or listeners, and so it's it's always good to incite some emotion and kind of create that addiction. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I, I'm not a huge fan of that whole crowd as a whole. <laughs> However, I will say that the like, one that frustrates me the most is, is Glenn Beck. Oh, um, he I went crazy a few years ago. Because, well, yeah, but he also, he, he kind of found Jesus. He came yeah. out and said like, yeah. you know, like I've, I'm doing this to inside a riot and, yeah, right. and get viewers. And then he tried to lead a revolution almost. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, kind of comes back and says, admits that he's, you know, been playing a game, you yeah. know, play, acting and uh and then viewers kind of listeners went down and i was kind of back at it he said some crazy stuff last week yeah who who on the left do you not like who on the left do i not like um there who on the i don't feel like there's there's not a whole apparatus like you know with three four straight hours of programming like like the tucker carlson situation yeah it's it's awkward too because i almost feel like like a lot of the left that you would think of like a political person pitch themselves more in the journalist type right, of light. Right. Which has a huge backlash when you talk about like fake, fake news, news and stuff and like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. But like there's not it, it, there's a difference. So Anderson Cooper, right? Yes. Who brings on people in interviews and like but doesn't give opinion based as much. Right. Right. So when his shit or when his stuff <laughs> sorry. Uh, when his stuff comes up to where it might be wrong or so there might yeah. be some like where you can skewer, listen to it. Like people get super offended as right. opposed to if you're watching Tucker Carlson, yeah. where you're you like, know well, this person, like, yeah. you know that it's, yeah. it's opinion based journalism, right? It's yes. editorial the whole well, time. And this is why like, well, I love, same thing with like, I didn't put like Jake Tapper on there. Cause right. Jake yes. Tapper to me is an anchor man. He's a yes. journalist. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is why I'm disappointed in Don Lemon. I love Don Lemon as a reporter. Mm-hmm. He is amazing, mm-hmm. but now he's trying, I don't know if he's, Maybe you'd probably know more than me. He's he's getting into that world where he's not really just telling the news. Right. He's getting into the opinion pieces stuff. Right. Yeah. I think. I mean that that whole block with him, uh, as well as Cuomo. Yeah. Um, they they know that they can get viewers by talking about Trump and kind of really beating a story into the ground and having a ton of conversation with it. Um, yeah. It's. I'd say that's. I. I'd say that's. Just not just as bad, but there that's been really frustrating for me okay. as someone that grew up on CNN. Yeah. Um, I would say from the from the left, like you could look at like Rachel Maddow and Lawrence O'Donnell, um, but even they have like a little bit more of a journalistic kick to them. Like Rachel Maddow is out trying to, yeah, you know, she's beating be beating down sources yeah, and yeah. like. For sure. Um, but yeah, I would say I'd say Lawrence O'Donnell. I guess hmm. would be yeah. somebody I'm not a huge fan of. Huh. Cool. That's cool. Um, Current events. What's going on in the world? The NBA, like the Warriors just swept. Steph set a record for most points in a sweep. Yeah. It uh, looks like the other series is going to go six or seven. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is, uh, is Kawhi going to stay in Toronto? 
Um, I, I never thought he was, but I mean, once if they, they can extend that series and that crowd kind of gets going, I don't know how you turn them down because it's pretty amazing there, right? It, it, that city loves <clears throat> loves them some Raptors. I um, yeah. I went out the the first night uh, when they were playing in Milwaukee, and you couldn't get into, I mean, any sports bar downtown. There were lines out the door everywhere, um, and then as well as a giant outdoor, you know. Uh, streaming kind of thing where they were watching on a big screen. Um, and so I don't know. I, they, they're definitely behind them, behind him, behind the team. Uh, but he's had to carry a big burden and I think he really just wants to go to LA. So <laughs> I, I, I think I still think he's, he'll, he'll end up a Clipper, but yeah, a hundred percent agree. He's going to be a Clipper. Um, <laughs> I just, he just wants to go home. He wants to be there with his family and what is uncle Dennis and all that kind of stuff. Just like be quiet. And yeah. Kinda. I mean, Toronto would be great for him, but, I don't think he's going to stay, especially. I don't think it helps that they keep winning and that like, he, <laughs> you know, and like now he has all this pressure and stuff. I think the dude likes to be second banana. Right. You know, I, I, those fans are so great and they're going to be so heartbroken because now it's just going to be Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam. Like you can't. Yeah. Gasol. <laughs> Mark Gasol. Right. Serge Abaka. 43-year-old Serge Ibaka. Sure. Jody Meeks. Let's not forget him. Man, Jody Meeks. <laughs> Ninth man. Um, talk a little bit. Um, what was what was the best thing? Or what was it? This was – this isn't your first PGA, like, professional golf experience. But what was the best thing about a, attending the PGA Championship last weekend? Yeah. Um, so, I am not a good golfer. Uh, I also know the uh, – stereotype that I'm playing into by going uh, to a golf tournament. It's, um, it's it diverse goes, crowd, right? Not a diverse crowd. Um, <laughs> despite being in New York city, just out on Long Island, uh, it was not a diverse crowd. Uh, and that's something that that sport needs to deal with long-term, especially as tiger gets older. Um, but it was fun and rowdy, uh, because New York, you know, um, but for me, there are certain sporting events you can go to where, it really kind of puts you in that humbling position where just, Oh my goodness, this person is so much better than me. You know, you go to an NBA game and you see people and they're just humongous. Right. And you watch warmups and like, wow, that guy's made a a handful of three pointers in a row, you know? Uh, And it's, you know, it kind of do, it'll kind of do that for me. Another big one is, you know, sitting like lower level at a baseball game and you just have that random play with two outs in the sixth inning where a guy tries to leg out a triple and the right fielder uh, picks the ball up and throws the ball, you know, a hundred yards. And, and it's the fastest. It's crazy. It's just like, Oh my goodness. You know, yeah. just that one little spurt of athleticism that just goes, Oh my goodness. That you, yeah. you don't really get an appreciation for on TV. Um, but this weekend we had a guy hit a tee shot, right? We're in the, in a, off to the side of a fairway, hits a tee shot um, off the, off the fairway, really close to us. And we just kind of stood there, uh, you know, five feet away from, a random South African guy who played at uh, University of Minnesota, go Gophers, um, and he ended up. It was a little over 200 yards from the from the from the hole. Pulls out a fairway wood, and from five feet away from me, just swung harder than anything you've I've ever seen move in person. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and it ended up like 10 feet from the hole. It was unbelievable. We ended up following that guy for the Alex Van Ruyen uh, <laughs> for the rest of the weekend, but. Um, I don't know. I'm like I said, I know golf has issues, stereotypes, cliches, et cetera. Yeah. But I am a huge advocate for people attending 
PGA events in person because it's unique. You're outside. You get to walk a ton. It's like exercise. It's the same price as going to an NFL game or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but it lasts all day. Yeah. And um, you get to have a, an appreciation that you you just don't get from television. That's pretty awesome. I always say the same thing. Like if you get a chance to go, go. Like mm-hmm. it, it's the best seventy five hundred bucks you can spend during the day, and the food isn't too expensive. You can right. drink if you want, and like there's all the tents and all the swag and all that kind of stuff. And oh yeah. Like the experience you can have, you can make it whatever you want it to be, or you can just follow your guy. Right. The whole time, uh, there's nothing like the sound of a ball coming off the tee, like at a professional event, especially right. when you're four feet away. It sounds like a shotgun going off your head. <laughs> uh, we got, the, we got the local event coming up like, yeah. in Columbus and next weekend is the Memorial at the Jackson. Right. So maybe we can sneak our way up. I feel like I did a good job planting that pipe yesterday. <laughs> um, so that'll do it for season two, episode 18 of the IntelliCast podcast. Uh, you can, again, you can find us on Twitter, EMI underscore research and telecast one Adam Jolly, all one word again, Adam Dietrich is a C D I E T R I C H. Um, or you can email us. Uh, if you want to come at us with your thoughts on Canada, um, if you want to give us what you, who your favorite political commentator is, or if you just want to give a rant about, you know, um, why your party is better than the other party, feel free to email us at IntelliCast at EMI RS.com. Adam, any party words. Uh, if you do decide to follow me on Twitter, um, mute me on Sunday. The <laughs> terrible third division English soccer club <laughs> that I follow is uh, in what's called the playoff final, Ooh. Uh, which means they play at Wembley, which is like the national stadium Sunday morning. Uh, this team is historically awful. Uh, they had a Netflix documentary about how sad it is to be a fan of this stinking club. <laughs> uh, but anyway, mute the Twitter account on Sunday morning. Ah. If you if you're a follow, so this is to move up to second division. This is to move up to the second division. Oh, that'd be yeah. nice. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be great. <laughs> it would be great. Oh, man, Adam or Brian. Adam is me. Brian, <laughs> any closing thoughts for you? No closing thoughts. I will not be tweeting on Sunday. But I'll be thinking of you, Adam. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, that's good. That'll Way do us for this episode. <laughs> See you next week for episode nineteen. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.